So hi everybody, uh, this is the podcast with no name as of now. I think that this is the fifth episode now. Um, yeah, excluding like the those bon- bonus episodes uh, in Portuguese and God knows what. Um, yeah, basically today it's just me. Um, and I've decided to talk about something that's been bugging me for for a while now, which is how you make a movie or a series not boring. That's basically what I'm going to be covering today. Since, well, I've watched two movies for for the in the past in the past week, uh, and did two movies that I really like. Uh, I've watched the not the new Spider-Man movie, but the old one. Um, to try and convince myself to go to the to the movies, to the theater, um, and see the new one. And I've watched Wally, and it's basically the same bloody story. It's the same story, and it's the same plot structure as um, those weird Adam Sandler movies, rom com kind of bullcrap movies. Because it was my friend Maggie. Uh, she was thinking about writing this movie uh, about a family that goes on holiday, and everyone has seen that movie. A, a family that goes on holiday and things go wrong, as they usually do. Um, and and I thought, what a brilliant idea! What a brilliant idea! Firstly. Uh, because there are always movies that are enjoyable. I mean, uh, Cheaper by the Dozen, the second one, it's it's a fairly good movie, isn't it? Um, but it's always the same. It's always the same plot, isn't it? Uh, but for example, uh, in Cheaper by the Dozen, for example, it's um, it's a bit more apparent. Um, you know the structure, and you know like the. It's not very subtle when they hit like those plot points, especially towards the the climax of the the movie, um, in which I think in cheaper by the dozen. Well, spoiler alert. Uh, well, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. Um, but if you haven't seen it, then you're a fucking twat. Who the fuck hasn't watched that movie? It's brilliant, even though it's a bit the structure is a bit on the nose. Uh, but I still like it. It's Steve Martin doing stuff, so it's always it's all, Steve Martin is always a win. Um, but when it gets toward the climb towards the climax of the movie, you just know it that it's going to be over, and it's they're going to wrap it up in a cheesy fashion. Um, and what I've noticed is. Maybe I'm wrong and I'm just talking out of my ass, which I probably am. Um, no, my farts don't sound like this. Um, <laughs> that would be a fucking great trick. Uh, anyways, um, for example, in Wally, it's also the same thing. Things go wrong towards the end, and well, instead of Wally having to fix things, Wally is fixed, which is a bit of a, you know, uh, an appreciated uh, change of, you know, 
the change of tone really uh, because the hero of the story also needs help um, and for example in Cheaper by the Dozen it's the dad that realizes his wrongdoings and in Spider-Man again uh, Spider-Man realizes that he's uh, he needs to step up and that his friends need him um, and then they fight big guy, uh, I can't remember his name, big bald guy, looks like Caillou on steroids, but in those movies, and I've watched, for example, I've watched Wally. I don't know how many fucking times I've watched that movie, I I adore it, in Wally specifically, you don't, you're so... You're so invested into the characters in the story that you don't really notice it. It's very well hidden. Um, and for those who who don't really know a lot about screenwriting, welcome to the club. Um, but basically, there's always a, a structure. It's like um, it's like in a building. You can't draw. You can't build get the building without the structure being in in place first it's it's kind of pointless um but nowadays they're doing like these fancy buildings with uh i don't know exoskeletons basically the building itself is intertwined with the structure in a way that both cannot be distinguished from one another and i think that's a perfect analogy for for it um, you cannot even realize that structure is there. Otherwise, you just... It's kind of pointless, isn't it? Uh, if you... I don't know, if you look like at, um, that, at the Burj Khalifa and see a bunch of sca scaffolding holding the building up uh, on the outside, it's a bit... You know, it just ruins the magic, doesn't it? Um, and, and the same thing with storytelling. You can never show show the audience the structure. But it, there's always one. There's always one. Um, and generally, it's... Uh, in those rom-com movies, it's the, it's the very typical Greek tragedy thing. Um, I don't know how many acts you want to call it. Oh, bollocks. Ah, my mic! Um... Some people call it a three-act structure, uh, the protasis, pro I don't know, epithesis and the cat catastrophe. Uh, that's the the three-act uh, structure. Or you could just act, you, or you, if you call them, or if you use the five-act structure, you just use one act one, two, three, and four, and five. Uh, but yeah, in act one, it's the prologue, you just trying to understand how the world works, establishing characters. In Act 2, that's where the... Um, sorry, at the end of Act 1, that's where the conflict is established for Act 2. In Act 2, conf conflict um, increases slowly. And in Act 3, it hits the climax and it all starts going downhill. And then Act Four is the. It's, it's basically the, I don't know Frodo going back home basically, 
And then Act 5 is the denouement, which is French for, uh, I don't fucking know. No, it's basically wrapping, ra- wrapping shit, shit up. Uh, there's really nothing to it. It's just a f- fancy French words. But there are a lot, there are, I don't know how many types of structure, but basically here in the western world that's the the most basic one that's what you see in most movies um i would also like to um talk about joseph campbell's uh, hero's journey there's also another bloke's hero's journey but i can't remember his name and um joseph campbell has 17 steps and the other bloke just had 11 so Joseph Campbell just seems a bit more. How can I put it? Um, he just um, not not expensive. He just it seems a bit more detailed if you get what I mean. So in in the f- so it's also uh, separated into three different stages. So the first stage is departure, and then there's initi- initiation, and then there's return. So, in departure, there's the call to adventure. So, for example, when... I'm going to talk about Lord of the Rings right now. Yeah, that, that might be easier. Um, the call to adventure uh, is when... Ian McKellen knocks on Frodo's door and asks him to come with him to save Middle-earth or whatever. Um, then Frodo says no. Then... Which is the refusal of the call. Because the hero uh, doesn't want to go because he's chicken shit. Um, but then he feels walled in boredom and he's go like, ah, what the hell, I have nothing better to do. Um, then three, supernatural aid. He gets supernatural aid for from... Well, he gets supernatural aid from the ring, if you think about it. And... Um, and uh, Ewan McKellen. Um, yeah, it's, it's a supernatural mentor with a talisman that helps him. Yeah, it's basically um, a MacGuffin thingy that helps him. Um, then four, crossing the first threshold. It's when Frodo lives the... Um... Shit, I, did, I shouldn't be doing this in nine in the fucking morning without having slept... Uh, it's when Frodo leaves the Shire for the first time. He leaves the uh, the hero leaves the comfort zone, and f- and faces his doom, which is also interesting. Uh, that um, Tolkien decided to call basically Frodo's destination Mount Doom. Because doom might be perceived as a as a bad thing, as a as death and things like that, but it also means destiny, which is also interesting. It's it's Tolkien's very well. It's kind of well. It I, I guess it was on the nose back then, but um, now we don't really know what words mean, do we? Um, but it's yeah, it's quite clever. I think uh, it's basically. It's Frodo's destiny to throw the the ring into the volcano or whatever the hell it is. 
if there, I know that there are possibly like a lot of Lord of the Rings fans out there. Don't, uh, don't come at me. I, I just woke up. I didn't sleep, and I just had to talk about this because I think it's interesting, and because I don't have much to do. So, uh, yeah, this is yeah having your podcast or also known as procrastination. Um, okay, uh, and that the last step of departure is the belly of the whale. So, for example, when Frodo finds himself fighting with the nine kings that were, I don't know, possessed by Sauron or whatever, I don't, I can't remember, um... But yeah, it's about death and rebirth. And a new Frodo arises. Is just isn't just not the same guy, is he? And then there's the road of trials. The the hero go undergoes challenge while under the advice of and the influence of his magic helpers. Um, yeah, it's just basically the whole buddy story. And this is the first step of initiation. He then the seventh step is the meeting with the goddess. Uh, I well, this is not really Lord of the Rings. Well, well, you can actually, yeah, it can actually be when Frodo meets with um, what's her face, Galadriel. Yeah, that's it. Uh, or for example, in Legend of Zelda, when you get the Master Sword, it's just like. Uh, the um, yeah mystical powers mystical shit going on um joseph campbell is tumbling in his grave i know that um and then that's the seventh step a meeting with the goddess and then the eighth is the temp- temptress temptress which can be well uh, who's who's the Fuck, it's it's Golem. Golem. Golem can be a, tem- a temptress. Golem can be a temptress. Atonement with the father is... It's a big fight. It's a big fight. Uh, for example, the fight of Link versus Ganon. And then the apotheosis. Really? Um... This uh, so atonement with the father is nine. Um, uh, it's um, it can be an ex- uh, a fight, uh, an internal fight or just a physical one uh, with, uh, for example, Sam and Frodo um, throwing the the ring away, which is fucking complicated for some reason for Frodo to just throw it into the fucking volcano and get it over with. While people are dying. It's very inconsiderate of Frodo. And then there's apotheosis. Which is the point in which... um, The hero... Gains... um, How can I put it? He he gets a greater understanding of... Shit. That's how it goes. Um, Then the, the ultimate boon... Is the achievement of the quest. Some of these are a bit kind of repetitive and it's quite hard to understand where one ends and one starts uh, in the stories but this is just like the basic structure a basic 
drawing of what this is. It's not a drawing. A scheme, schematics. I don't know. Um, yeah, the ultimate boon is already in... This is It's the first part of Return. Then there's refusal of the Return. The hero doesn't want to go back uh, because the hero, having found enlightenment, he just may not want to go back because he's too clever for the Shire, I guess. Then there's a magic flight. I don't think that there's a magic flight in Lord of the Rings. Um, which is the hero returns home with the boon. Sometimes might be as dangerous as the Road of the Trials or the the quest itself. That's 13. And then 14 is rescue from, rescue from without. The hero needs help adjusting to normal, to normal life. Um, and then 15 is crossing of the return threshold. 16 is master of two worlds. Because, well, he... He, the hero, well, it doesn't have to be a he. Feminists, I, I get you. Um, the hero just, yeah, he knows how the, um, how the outside world works. And he just knows how the, um, how the, the, the inner bubble of the, uh, for example, of the Shire works. And and then there is 17, which is the freedom to live. Because the hero has to have a reason to carry on, having just been through all these cool adventures. So, freedom to live is realizing that there's much to life and shit like that. And, understa and understanding that... Um, the quest is now over and he, that he has to move on with life and yeah that's basically it which is i find i find it very interesting um, for um, for for joseph campbell to put this in these terms because it's quite simple to understand i'm sorry if i'm a bab babbling idiot bub bubble bumble bumbling idiot mumbling idiot mumbling idiot sounds about right um, but it's very interesting that he could distill all of this from all sorts of stories. Um, but it also ends up following the Greek kind of idea of the... So there's a prologue, there's conflict, there's rising action, there's climax, and there's the falling action. And then there's the denouement, which is just them going home. Um, however, there's this really... Th interesting thing that is Japanese the Japanese take on this on this regular structure basically it's the same but as us here in the West we rely heavily on conflict without conflict there's no story it's it's thought um, in Japan it's different as per the usual Bastards. Anyway, uh, so it's the Kisho Tenketsu, which is Ki means introduction, Sho means development, Ten means twist, and Ketsu is the conclusion. It's um, 
I am thinking of um, not Princess Mononoke, um, but my neighbor Totoro. Well, one can argue that there is a conflict because the girls want to see her mum, their mum. But there is... The conflict is... There really isn't a, a very strong conflict. It's just a very sort of light kind of thing. You just, during the movie, you just see how their lives go. Um, so you have the introduction, they live in the countryside with their dad because their mom is sick. Their dad works in a university in Tokyo, if I can remember correctly. Uh, there, there's the development of the story. Um, there's them finding out this magic. I don't really know what that is. It looks like a raccoon thingy, fat raccoon thingy. That's how I would describe Totoro. Um, they go around this fantastic cat bus thing, and then they come back, and then the girl just kind of the the youngest girl just disappears, and then people say that she is dead, but she is not dead. The girl is alive. Shut up. Don't don't ruin this for me. Uh, and then there's the twist, um, which really is that they go to the hospital. Um, and then they all come back home, really, with their mum, which is the conclusion, I would say. Um, but, of course, that you can also apply the, the Western structure. It It's very interesting to see that even in Japan, a country that barely has had any uh, relationship with the West, well, it has, well, nowadays, but this is like this the, the classic structure. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I've read, this is the classical structure. Um, it's very interesting. That's how we humans shape stories. It There, there really isn't much more than this. You can... All the stories that have been told, it's, it, it's this, period. Because if you lack one of these elements... Then it's shit. It's fucking shit. If you don't have, if you don't have a, a conflict or a development, then what the bloody hell are you going on about? There, there cannot exist a movie or a series without that, or just a story without that. I mean, Little Red Riding Hood just went to the woods, and then she came up against a wolf or something. I can't remember the story. Um. That eats her grandma. I can't remember. Uh, there are many versions of that story. But anyways, there's always a conflict. There's a rising action. There's the climax when Granny is not Granny. Uh, granny is inside the wolf. Um, that could be that could be a great porno flick. Jesus, I just realized that. But the, but Granny needed to be a transvestite, or I need to have a a, an append, a male appendage of some sort. Um, I don't think you can save transvestite, can you? I don't really know. Anyways, uh, no harm. Um, uh, I I wish no harm to anyone. Um, this is very good English for not for ten in the fucking morning. 
Uh, but anyways, uh, Granny uh, has been eaten by the the wolf. That and the wolf reveals itself as kind of like the the climax. And then there comes the the lumberjack and just cuts Granny out of the wolf. And that's basically the story. And that's the climax. And then there's the falling action. That and it just sometimes um, the falling action takes more time than others. For example, in Joseph Campbell's, it just takes a bit longer. It there's a bit more steps. Um but I mean, you can google this. Um but the climax isn't at the middle of act 3. It's a bit more towards the end. So if you imagine this as like a triangle, uh it's a bit skewed, you know. It um so it's so it's triangle that a, that starts rising up to into the in at the end of act 1 continues rising towards act 2 continues rising throughout act 3 until the almost the end of act 3 and then it just falls down but it it's very adjustable how how much you want it to fall and how quickly um and that's where the magic is, really, I think. It's just finding that sweet, sweet spot in which you can tell the story effectively and not show the audience the structure. But it's always the same story. You always know how it's going to end. Well, some, well, in some movies, it ends poorly, but for example, in Avengers, the like the last two movies, I knew that they were going to lose in the first one because they announced a second one. So of course they're going to lose in the second in the first one to win in the second one, and they won in the. Well, that movie was a bit dumb. But anyways, um, that's basically it for me for today. Um, and yeah, I hope you've liked it. If my bumble my mumblingness was uh, helpful, it probably wasn't. But, yeah, I just thought it was interesting. Um, And, yeah, that's something to think about next time you go and watch a movie or a series. Um, So, yeah, that's pretty much all all I have to say for today. Um, Thanks for listening.